who knew some computer stuff that were able to find me basically an unlimited list of wholesale suppliers. I mean, of course, they don't all take Amazon, but I was able to use some portals and stuff to find more supplies than I could ever buy from. And I've just kind of taken the OA that I did because I loved OA, but the issue was I was getting too many IP complaints. I was afraid I was going to lose my account. I think I had maybe 12 in a year or something like that. So I transitioned to wholesale, but I was kind of doing it the way I was doing OA. I was using the same tools. I was using tactical arbitrage, you know, except I was getting them programmed for wholesale sites. And basically that's the same way I still do wholesale now. I either use tactical arbitrage to import a Welcome to the e-commerce momentum podcast, where we focus on the people, the products, and the process of e-commerce selling today. Here's your host, Stephen Peterson. Hey, it's me. It's Q4. Got to bring up my Amazon seller tribe. Um, this is probably you know one of the last chances you're going to get to join this year. So I'll run this for a couple of weeks, but. Um, the, the good news is you could still get in, right? They are allowing people in, but at some point they're going to cut it off. So I suggest you join today. Try it with 14 days for free, okay? So you don't like it, you don't get value, drop. Um, however, don't only measure on the value of what you're buying. Measure on the value of the impact it has on your business. And what I love about this group, the Amazon Seller Tribe, is the amazing way they invest into your business. They will help you with all the questions. Go out and check out uh, amazingfreedom.com forward slash momentum dash arbitrage. Look at the testimonials. Those are real people. Reach out to them. Right? You can kind of figure out who they are and go out and figure out uh, and ask them, is it real? Are they really helpful? Will they help my business? And you will be blown away. Again, you get 14 days free if you join through my link only. And they do pay me, so I don't want you to, I don't mislead anybody. Um, but I believe in them. I'm in the groups. You'll see me, and you'll get to talk with me too. So, amazingfreedom.com forward slash momentum hyphen arbitrage. I know it's a lot. Momentum hyphen arbitrage. And you're going to get 14 day free trial on the daily find list. Make a purchase. Get your money back and then say, huh, I can do this again. Wash, rinse, repeat. Wash, rinse, repeat. Amazingfreedom.com forward slash momentum arbitrage. They are going to close it. Q4 is here. It's going to happen. Get ready. Welcome back to the e-commerce momentum podcast. This is episode 408, Bob Steele. Um, it is crazy how long it's been since Bob and I talked on air. Um, Mind-blowing. And his business has completely evolved um, with a lot of hard work. You know, his name is Steele. He's got Steele in his resolve, his persistence. I mean, he is, it's tough stuff and he's pushed through it. Um, some really cool things about warehousing. Um, very interesting to listen to some of that conversation. Um, we both talk about our situations. I mean, I think there's some value there. Um, I think his investing in real estate uh, with warehousing is a very interesting concept that others might want to consider. And then we talk about lessons learned, things that are he should have done differently. And, you know, there's a maturity you get to. I mean, you know, he's very humble um, and he's very quiet, but he's matured. He's recognized. I mean, that's cool that a guy of my age and his age, we're pretty close, can still learn and is willing to learn and admit that he doesn't know it all. That's, oh, I get the chills thinking about it because that that's why he's such a great guy. He's such a good friend. I just love him. Um, and I just think there's some real value. And the one thing, and I, I kind of use it in the title here about chasing inventory. 
don't just keep chasing inventory. Make sure that it's inventory you can process and prep. That's a pro, pro tip that Bob gives. Don't forget that. You know, don't just keep getting inventory to get inventory to spend your money. If it's going to sit, don't do it. Get that stuff out. Spend your time there and you're going to be better use. Let's get into the podcast. And welcome back to the e-commerce momentum podcast. Excited to have back my guest. And we both are blown away to realize it's been three plus years since we last talked. Bob Steele. Welcome back, Bob Steele. Nice to be back, Steve. Hope you've been well. Uh, I have been well. I, I know you have been well. Um, you know, it's funny. At our age, we're 50s. Uh, we only not only have to do business well, we have to stay health well, right? I mean, it's an issue. Right. You know, it happens. I mean, so we're not going to turn this into a health uh, conversation, but it's definitely one of those things. How about mental health? That's an interesting thing to talk about. How do you, because you used to have a big job, a lot of responsibility. Mm-hmm. Um, did you believe that when you got to your own business and you were going to, and you walked away from your corporate job that the pressures were going to be less and the responsibility, because you were going to have less responsibility. Did you believe yeah, that? I, I believe that, but that's certainly not the no, case. It's it more happened. stress and pressure now than I've ever had. Yeah, that's funny. Uh, I was just thinking the exact same thing, you know, and I had a big job and I had a lot of responsibility. Now, when you have employees and you have other people relying on you, Bob, that's a lot, isn't it? Mm-hmm. And it's just constant if it's one battle after the other after the other. And it's not like you can just pass it on to someone else. It's all got to get done. Well, no matter you, how much help you have, it's like ultimately you're responsible. Yeah, and you're in charge. And, and figure it out. You know? you, that's it. The buck stops with you. Um, do you think you were meant to be a leader in this role when you think back to your skill sets and your life and the things that you've done? No, I, when I first started selling on Amazon, my opinion was, you know, I never want to own a warehouse. I never want to have employees. I just want this a little bit on the side. And, you know, things evolved, and that's where I'm at now. And there's some days I just want to give up and say I'm going to send it all to a prep center or I'm just going to do something else because um, I was actually at a meeting with uh, Chris Green and some other FBA sellers a few weeks ago, and one of the things they talked about was – Amazon fatigue, where everyone's mm. starting to look to do other things because it's it's a constant battle of finding inventory and turning inventory and prepping inventory, and it's just a constant battle and to look to other avenues. And it's something I've considered, but right now I'm still fighting the Amazon battle. Well, you, you are doing some other things with investing in real estate. We'll talk about that in a minute. But let's go back to that because I think that's interesting, the Amazon fatigue. Do you think some of it, and this is I have these thoughts, some of it is because the rules change. Like in your old business, you guys had policies and procedures, right? They probably mm-hmm. were the same for 20 or 30 years, some of them. Some yep. of them should have changed, right? Of course they should have. Right. But, but lots of them didn't need to, you know what I mean, uh, whatever it was. With Amazon, it's almost – Week to week, the changes. So you can never, like that one part of your world can't settle. Is that fair? Right. Yeah. It's like every other week there's something else coming on. You know, we've been fighting hazmat issues for weeks over the name brand on the MSDS sheet doesn't match the name brand of the product. And it's because it's, a pro, you know, it's our own brand and it's a bundle and it's one component inside the bundle. It's a highlighter. So I send them the MSDS for the highlighter. They don't accept it because the brands don't match. It's, it's a fighting battle. And now we're getting all types of trademark issues for certain 
wholesalers that we use and they're saying, well, that brand name is the trademark problem. Like, no, the brand says it's fine. It's the right brand is every time you turn around, they're doing something to change and always having to spend hours and hours figuring out what they want and still not getting them what they need. Yeah, unintended consequences, right? So I'm sure right. they're trying to address – nobody's sitting in there saying, hmm, who am I going to mess with today, right? Nobody's right. doing no. that, mm-hmm. right? They're, they're fixing a problem for something else, right, whatever right. it is. However, <laughs> there are consequences. You know, and I, I've said this a lot. Uh, you and I both are old sellers, right? We've been selling mm-hmm. for a long time. The, we're, we're just doing the way we've been doing for years, so you can't all of a sudden just say, hey, you're not doing it right. It's like, wait, it was right. right. Okay, mm-hmm. you want me to change. That's a different conversation. Help me change. that. And I think that's always been a miss. Even with eBay, I think there's always been a miss that they're not helping. And maybe it's because we're smaller sellers, or at least we were. We were. Right, yeah. Um, they're not helping bring you through those transitions, right? Is that, is that fair? Right. Yeah, and especially, I mean – eBay, I don't really do a lot with, but Amazon, they don't give you the time to transition. It's like, okay, this is happening tomorrow. You know, like I know one of the bigger changes has been the way the small light programs changed, where now it's a $7 maximum and a seven ounce maximum for the weight. But so that they said, okay, there's not going to be any more small light and your products had to be in by a couple months ago. Well, they're still having me send the products I used to have enrolled in small light to small light warehouses. Hmm. So they, they kind of said there was going to be a change, but really, I guess they haven't implemented it. Yeah, that's very frustrating. Now, at least with eBay, and this has been my experience lately, it'll be interesting to see if anybody else agrees, we have been able to call and get a U.S. rep almost every single time we have a problem, and they're almost always from Utah for whatever reason, and it's just been a wonderful experience. They're like, hey, you know, we can't help you there with this because of this, and they'll give you an actual reason. That's been wonderful. That's um, great. That's a miss with selling on Amazon, Correct. Correct. <clears throat> Hmm. How hard I mean, would- is imagine how many times you try and escalate a case and ask for a U.S. representative. Sometimes you get one and sometimes it's just passed on and, you know, you get the merch, what is it, the merch case email that says we're looking into it and you get them for months on end mm-hmm. and they don't even tell you what it is anymore after the first one. Yeah, you have no clue. Is that, would it be hard for them to implement, do you think? I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I just wonder. Um. I think there'd be a lot of cost involved, and they're probably trying to avoid that as much as they can. Yeah, and the other thing I think is I always remember when I read the book, The uh, Everything Store, that if if you have to call Amazon, it's a fail on the customer side, right? They always said that you should be able to answer and anticipate all the customer's needs and wants and right. answer them all. Mm-hmm. Maybe, maybe they feel the same way about us sellers, that we shouldn't have to be able to call them. If that's true, and I know, you know Jeff Bezos is listening— <laughs> if that's true, then guess what? You got a little bit of ways to go there to help fix it. And, you know, we love the platform. Oh, my God, we love it. It's our 80, 90% right. of our revenue. It's However, a love-hate relationship. Yeah, yeah. And I'm sure on their side, too. I mean, I can't imagine, right. you know, the employees must be very frustrated because you follow the rules and uh, Bob X doesn't follow the rules. And so, From what I've heard, being an Amazon employee is one of the hottest jobs on the planet. Hmm. And I know you, you're you probably not local, but the last couple nights on the news, they're actually finding 50 packages at a time of Amazon dumped in a couple graveyards in a couple different towns that were never delivered. Oh, no. 
Yes. Mm. So they're finding trash barrels full of undelivered Amazon packages that they've already located who the driver is and terminated them. But, you know, I've heard that especially warehouse work is one of the most stressful jobs you've ever had. Yeah, we have five Amazon warehouses in our town. Five. Massive. Mm. And they're like a mile long. And it's just... You know, when you you can't get by there when they're going to work or when when they're changing shift because it, you know traffic stops because it, mm-hmm. they actually bus them in because they don't have enough parking. Oh, they have like um, satellite parking. Yeah, because it's just so. Well, I I think this is growing pains, right? This that's why they're working so hard on automation, and you know, right. it's, it's good and bad, right? I mean, mm-hmm. I, the good would be is that you know, let's face it, less fatigue and and things will probably work 24 seven. The bad is you're taking the human element out. So therefore it's right or wrong every single right. time. There's no gray area, right? There's no, there's no gray. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's like they talk about, you know, trying to make the minimum wage in the country, $15 an hour. And now you're seeing, okay, a lot of corporations like, you know, the fast food restaurants are like, Oh, we can't pay our employees that much because of, you know, the markup it's small and they're just getting replaced with computers. Right. So you go in, you have to figure out how to order it yourself. You get frustrated. It takes twice as long. You know, I go to Home Depot and it's like usually when I go, I have something that I can't run across the cash register. And there's usually one line open for people with lumber and larger items. Whereas, you know, you can go through the self-checkout and there's one person watching six registers. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, we uh, we have a company called Ahold in our town and they are the second or third largest grocer in the in the world. I think they are right. They're just a massive company. They have a U.S. in my town. And so our local store, they have a robot that goes around and does inventory for them mm-hmm. I because mean, it's mindless. Right. So it's right. forever just driving around this little thing, driving around these aisles, just counting stuff for them, you know. And, uh, you know, I understand that. Um, I understand being an old, you know, CFO. You gotta, mm-hmm. you know, maximize. Um, but there's a human element that gets lost, and and I, I just I went through it. Uh, was it yesterday? Trying to get through somebody's voicemail and their their companies, and it was press one, press two, press three. Mm-hmm. They, I was seven questions deep pushing buttons. Seven questions. I'm like, all right, right. this is old enough. You got to give me a person at some point, and it was almost impossible. So I think there's an extreme. I, I think that's right. a risk. Well, let's bring it back to our business. How about you? I mean, how have you embraced technology in your business? Uh, You know, I was at, I think it was one of Sam Cohen's conference and you were a speaker. And I think you mentioned when you brought up a bunch of names, I was on your list of being a data guy. Mm -hmm. And I had never really thought of myself like that to the point now where I'm embrace it. Like I go and talk to my reps and I'm like, yeah, just give me the data. I can do amazing things with data. I never really looked at that until you had pointed it out. So it's, I mean, data runs my business. It's, you know, I always felt I was on the leading edge of software and stuff like that and trying to stay one step ahead of everybody else. But I mean, without data, this business, it's, you know, from what I look at, it's like, I go and I said, you know, I'd buy this and this and this, and then I go and look, and that's not what the rest of the public wants. But if I have data to compare it to, doesn't matter what my opinion is it's data doesn't lie and and so in that example that you're using right when you go back and you look at the data the data says well the market will want this Mm -hmm. um how many times are you more right than wrong with date if i have accurate data yeah it's probably 90 percent plus kidding no kidding where in the past if or other people you know maybe steve you could 
I could judge uh, myself. Um, I'm going by my gut. I hope, Bob, I know that's going to be hot. We did that with a pair of shoes the other day. One of the kids convinced me. He's like, Steve, these are going to be hot. They, these are just, I'm like, okay, you know what? Uh, you're young and I'm not. I'm old. Okay. Mm-hmm. They're still sitting there. <laughs> They're yeah. still sitting there. It's it, like the first couple of times I met with reps, you know, they walk you through the product line. And I'm like, oh, this looks good. This looks good. This looks good. That's the stuff that's either still sitting, sitting on the shelf waiting for me to create a listing or sitting in an Amazon warehouse that isn't moving. So now it's like I'll go and I'll talk to the reps. I'll go to the trade shows and I'll be okay. Let me go back to my hotel rooms. Most of the times they have you know show specials, and I'll come back with the orders the next day. Mm-hmm. Bob Willie always said that exact same thing, and it's one of the smart guys. And he always said the same thing. He's like Steve, you know, he's he's an old long not, not an old guy, just says a long older seller, right? He's been selling mm-hmm. for a long time, and he said, you know, at this point in his life, he'll take everything in. Then go back, make a decision. If they're pressuring him to buy right on the spot, he's walking away. Right. Because they got to move. He's actually one of the first, I want to say people that I followed, but one of the first people that I thought that knew they were, what they were talking about that I met. It was back, I think, the first SCOE show when they came to the East Coast, and he was part of a scan power crew. And I went and I was kind of a loner and spent the days I was there with the scam power crew and I actually got to know Bob and he's very smart. Very smart. And, but he's just so he's like, Hey, if they're going to pressure me, I'm walking by, I'm, I'm going to yeah. walk away because that sales rep has to move that inventory. Somebody's pressuring him from behind. Right. Cause imagine mm-hmm. that that manufacturer is saying, get this stuff out of the warehouse guys. Come on, let's right. go, mm-hmm. let's go, let's go. And so, uh, they, they're like, yeah, they'll sell it to you once you're just an Amazon guy who cares. Right. And then right. boom. Hmm. How different is it? You know, I was thinking about your business uh, a lot in the last few days. I knew we were going to talk. I mean, how how different is your business today than it was three years ago when we talked? I think three years ago, I was more, I was doing a lot more OA and a lot of more RA. Mm-hmm. You, I, I think you were just getting on, you were getting on the wholesale, you, but you were getting started. Right. And I wasn't really too familiar with wholesale and how it worked. And then without giving away too much, I was able to talk to some friends who knew some computer stuff that were able to find me basically an unlimited list of wholesale suppliers. I mean, of course, they don't all take Amazon, but I was able to use some portals and stuff to find more supplies than I could ever buy from. And I've just kind of taken the OA that I did because I loved OA, but the issue was I was getting too many IP complaints. I was afraid I was going to lose my account. I think I had maybe 12 in a year or something like that. Mm. So I had transitioned to wholesale, but I was kind of doing it the way I was doing OA. I was using the same tools. I was using tactical arbitrage, you know, except I was getting them programmed for wholesale sites. And basically that's the same way I still do wholesale now. I either use tactical arbitrage to import a, a wholesale list or I have Javier with Tactical Bucket create me an X-Path to rip the wholesale sites like you would any other OA site. So I kind of look at it as like non-traditional wholesale, I guess, where I'm looking at it more as basically online wholesale compared to online arbitrage, whereas a lot of traditional wholesales would go and meet the people and buy from shows where yeah. I'm still using the data a lot to place my wholesale orders. Are you then going to the shows uh, still, but with arm data to sit back and say, okay, what can you do for me? Or, or for the most yeah, part? Yeah, because most of the times the show specials they have, 
pay for the trips many yeah. times over. Right. You know, I'm at the point now where I've gotten in good with a couple of reps, basically because I spend so much money with them, that they'll give me the show specials without going to the show. Mm-hmm. So say I don't make it to Atlanta or America's Mott, I'll get an email from one of my reps and say, hey, here's all the show specials. As long as you're in the order by Friday, you know, I'll put it in as the show deal. So. I don't have to go all the time. Most of the times I go to the shows now, it's not to meet new suppliers, even though occasionally I do. It's more to reinforce the relationships with the suppliers that I have that I don't see all the time. Hmm. It, it Trying like America Smart, that blew my mind. I only made it mm-hmm. to one building, one building yep. for a couple hours. And we were supposed to meet for breakfast, you and I. That's right. Yes. We never did because I got lost on the trains. I got lost on the train. I literally took... I don't know, six or eight trains. I had no clue what I was doing. It said, get off here, and I'm di- I literally kept going back and forth like uh, a, a vacation, um, European vacation, Big Ben Tower London thing. Um, and we never met. But I was blown away. I mean, it literally, I made it to, I found a bunch of new wholesalers. It, mm-hmm. it, it's unusual that that still can be done, isn't it? I mean, you wouldn't think it could be. But when Yo, you think there's of, just so many yeah, of them there so and so many new companies, yeah. Yeah, so many companies. I mean, and we so were we, went, we had gone, and I went with my friend Kyle. We do a lot of stuff together. Yeah, I love Kyle, and Kyle's a great guy. Smart, very and young, half, smart. Right, yeah, he's a third of our age, and he's smart. <laughs> yes, <laughs> but um, we were both buying from a same from the same wholesaler, and they had basically said, "Hey, we got it an Amazon exclusive with someone. You guys can't buy anymore and sell online." And we were like trying to figure out who the exclusive was because a they didn't have depth of inventory, they didn't represent, you know, ninety percent of the line. They just basically cherry picked what they want. So he went down there with a mission to talk to them, and we actually got to go out to the company and meet them and sit down, and we signed a co-exclusive with them. And I think the orders we've got in this month are probably close to a hundred thousand dollars that we're sp- splitting between us. And you know, he went with the mission and basically showed what he could do and came up this whole portfolio of things that he's done to listings and things that he's done to other Amazon accounts and things like that. And they were really impressed to the point where we went, went down and went to the headquarters and spent a couple days there and, you know, got the deal done. Uh, the other, the person who did have the exclusive, are they still on the listings? Uh, no. Now think about that. So those of you listing, right, who have exclusive, and we have had exclusive and have lost our exclusive for exactly that mm-hmm. same reason. We haven't paid enough attention, or like you're saying, we didn't care enough of the blind. Or, you know, somebody came along with a one more zero on their check and made a right. bigger purchase. And I, you, how could you fault a company for doing that? Painful. Right. I and, don't like it. And one of the things we made sure we found out when we were there is, you know, what happened to make this relationship sour so that we don't make the same mistakes. Yeah. And basically, it's food items, so they were trying to back charge for expired stuff and oh. stuff that didn't sell. It was just a crazy thing. Some of the stuff they told me they were trying to do, I was like, that's crazy. How can you do that? So they took all but, the risk out of their model and put it all back on the but business. But that's not what they agreed to. That's right. what they tried to do But that's after not fair. Fact. That's right. not fair, right? Right. Yeah. Not at all. Well, so, does it does there a residual market for that stuff when you when you have because you must have the same thing with the expiration or whatever the issue is things just didn't work. Um, is there a residual market for you to be able to get rid of that inventory or is it pitch donated whatever? Yeah, pitch donated. Okay. I mean, people have talked to me about liquidation, and as much as I 
know about it, I know that I don't have the channels to get rid of all this, probably 75% of the stuff that you get that isn't sellable on Amazon. I don't have a flea market guy or, you know, the guy that's running a salvage store or the connections just to move inventory quick. And that's one of the reasons I avoid, you know, liquidation, salvage, stuff like that. I don't have the channels to get rid of the stuff that I can't deal with. Yeah, I'm not interested in doing retail. I I tell the story, uh, there's a, a wholesale auction near me, not too far from here, less than an hour. And I bought I, um, meat claws. Remember the meat claws that everybody mm-hmm. was doing private label? I was yep. buying them for less than a dollar, 50 cents, 30 cents. I don't know. But the auctioneer gets 30%. Right. So can you imagine that poor person, what they paid for those meat claws? You know, by the time they liquidated them down, what I paid for them and what they got net was nothing. I mean, it's almost, right. they probably spent more in gas getting to them there, you know? Right. And then so, the auctioneer takes another 10 to 15% off the buyer too. Yeah. And so I, by the time I mean, that's done, actually how I started a lot of my Amazon business is I was going to local country auctions to buy inventory. Uh, do you miss those days? I was thinking about that too. I remember I do, you, you were, uh, you guys were sitting to, in your it got living to the point room. Where, yeah. It got to the point where it was like, you know, dollars per hour, like yeah. I would go for three hours and some days I'd come out and I'd be able to make, you know, enough money to for it. And other days like, oh, I bought two things and two of them were personal. So, yeah, I kind of miss like the people and the, the stuff like that. But I think I can do more with my time than going to an auction every week. But I, I've been saying for six months now that I need to get to the auction that's close to me now and talk to him about liquidating some of the stuff I have, you know, customer returns and just stuff that doesn't sell. And I worked with um, another seller who got a job promotion and she had a huge eBay store where I bought all of her inventory. I mean, we're using all the rolling racks and stuff like that, but there's literally 5,000 pieces of brand new gap clothing and banana Republic and true religion and whatever doesn't have listings. You know, we're just blowing it out as much as we can, but we have thousands of items that, I don't have the interest to put it all on eBay and I wish I had a channel to liquidate it. And I kept saying, I'll go to the local auction and talk to them. Just one of those things on the to-do list. It's on the list. Uh, you have a big list. Let's talk about, I, I, I think you're wrong. I think what you said about it, sellers are doing other things and you're not interested in doing that. I think you are. I think you've done well. Um, and this was part of our pre-call. We were talking about warehousing, you know, I don't think I'm speaking at a term when I can say that you own your own warehouse. Mm-hmm. You have one of the coolest things, and you're not alone. I've heard this from a couple other people, but very few. A co-op warehouse where there's a, a group of similar style warehouse units, right? Mm-hmm. X, and X number of square feet, you could get more than one. And then you guys share the cost probably of snow plowing. and Right, yeah, uh, it's a condo association. Yeah, right, right. And so you share those, you know, if they want to fix the... I don't know, water runoff Mm -hmm. issues and stuff like that. Um, That's an unusual thing. But you invested in that. And I don't, I mean, I don't know if I'm speaking at a turn and saying that you you bought your place. Right. You're now not buying inventory with that money because you bought real estate. When you think about from an investment point of view, though, isn't that diversifying your portfolio? Because you could have just taken all of it and spun it into Amazon, right? You could have. Right, and right. buying more uh, water bottles, right? You could have done that. However, you have a tangible asset, a physical asset that nobody's going to come in the market and replicate. It's there. They right. can't. 
And I think one of the things we talked about in the pre-show was access to financing because as much as you'll hear Steve tell everyone, know your numbers and get your finances together, I'm not one of the guys that does it. Yeah, but you so know you have a problem. <laughs> I'd rather finance my properties at a lower interest rate than taking Amazon loans, and that's one of the things we talked about that Amazon's hassled me about getting another loan, and where if I had had everything in order, I would have been able to refinance the properties and buy inventory with that, you know, whether it be a line of credit or whether it be a, you know, a re refinance of the property itself. Whereas since I don't have all my records up to date, I'm not able to do that. But you're on the path to get that resolved. I mean, what, yes. what, how long do you think until you have that resolved? Uh, hopefully the next four to six weeks. Okay, I'm four to six two weeks is nothing. Two years behind. Yeah, you know what, Bob? Six weeks is nothing at our age, man. That's like nothing. I know. You know, it's just like, boom, wait, it's already December? What? <laughs> that's what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. Well, I love, uh, I love that you've done it. I think it holds you back a little bit. But guess what? I think you're busy enough, Bob. I think this right. is not unhealthy. It gives you a chance to breathe a little bit, right? Sometimes you have to because mm-hmm. otherwise— It actually feels good to have an Amazon load paid off because I've been running on Amazon loans for— two and a half, three years now. And it actually, it was like a burden off my back to have it paid off in 0 Yeah, talk about that. Because it, what happens if your account gets shut down? Now you've got a whole bunch of people right. you disappoint and you got vendor issues. Mm-hmm. But outside of that, that's it. Right. I mean, I, I mean, I'm diversified. I do sell on Walmart. But in the big scheme of things, Walmart is 5% of my Amazon sales. Right. With probably 60% of my catalog loaded there. So without Amazon... You know, I basically had to turn off the lights and tell everyone to go home. It's but not not a position I'd ever want to be in. However, but you're not going to go and owe everybody a zillion dollars. No. I mean, if that was a scenario. So, you know, God forbid illness or whatever, mm-hmm. it's different. Because right. when you have that, I, there's an old phrase about the sort of Damocles swinging over your head, you know, just one mistake and off with your head, right? That's right. that's the fear of that kind of thing. Did Did it keep you up at night sometimes? Be honest. No, I sleep pretty good. Okay. So that did, you you felt comfortable enough in your business model that that wasn't an issue? Yeah, because I always knew that the value of my inventory far exceeded what I owed. Yeah. And and to be fair, you're a wholesale model. You're not, correct. You're not worried about uh, as much about getting your Amazon account suspended because of uh, IP complaints and generally. No. Actually, the funny part is I have more used as new complaints and. And um, an authentic complaint since I've been doing wholesale compared to when I did OA, but I'm always immediately able to provide an invoice and access it and send it to Amazon who clears it up. I mean, it sits in my back end account health for six months, but every one that I've gotten has been cleared. What's that attributed to, do you think? Is it uh, buyer regret, buyer awareness, Reddit, where they're sharing, hey, here's how you get free stuff? Um, I think it's a little bit of everything. Obviously, some of it's fraud. Some people probably believe they got an inauthentic prob- uh, item. Um, I had one complaint, and I think it may actually have to do with some of Amazon's keyword bots. As I actually got a used sold as new complaint for a package of sticky notes. <laughs> I know, sticky notes. I didn't sell used sticky notes. But when I was able to find the buyer feedback, it said that the packaging was dirty. Which, okay, Amazon has a warehouse. It may have been in with something else. It may have fallen. Amazon picked it up. It didn't really say that it was opened and used. So I think Amazon may be looking for some of those key terms 
and firing out the complaints. Well, just like keywords are so critical to find your listing, those keywords are probably trigger words. Yeah, I was thinking about that because I was out in the warehouse putting together an FBA shipment and Alexa. How does Alexa know when I say Alexa and not say Bob? Now, right. I mean, it knows, right? So It listens all the time. Right. Somebody programmed in, though, for to say, oh, if the name Alexa comes up, we got to do something, right? Mm-hmm. And so I think it's the same thing. I think you're right that the bots catch that and just say, oh, okay, dirty means, you know, used, and therefore right. blah, blah, blah. Hmm. There are humans that have programmed these things. All right. So co-op warehouse, would you do it again, you know, knowing what you know now, not the financing piece, but owning your own real estate as opposed to leasing it? Would you do it again? Yes, because, I mean, I have friends that lease warehouses, and I'm like, you know, you're throwing thirty, forty, fifty thousand dollars $50,000 a year, and you have nothing in return. You're helping someone else pay for their property. You know, even if you decide to sell in five or ten years, you know, you have the equity in the property. I mean, I wouldn't suggest it. The minute you decide you want to sell on Amazon, but once you know you're going to be successful and you what you plan on doing for a while, I would definitely say buy your own real estate if you can afford it. Mm. But the trade-off is it affects your ability to buy inventory. Correct. Yeah, yeah, we're we're in that same boat. <laughs> but oh. I've always been opposed to you know renting or anything like that if possible. I'm like I don't want to be paying. You know, I worked with someone who 30 years lived in the same apartment. I'm like you could have owned your own house if you put those mortgage payments in and now you know you're moving and you still have like nothing because all the money you had went to pay your rent every month but i'm free bob nothing's holding me down right yeah yeah Yeah. i mean i actually just had a friend buy a house and his mortgage is now less than 40 percent of what he was paying in rent and the house is much nicer I haven't said this out on the air yet, but we just bought a house, and you and I were talking about it in the pre-call, and we, we, we're calling it our permanent house. We downsized. Um, we did an apartment for almost two years, almost two mm-hmm. years to the date, and then we bought a house and just about finished remodeling it. We're living in it in a construction zone, um, <laughs> because, uh, which is not ha- my wife's not happy with that. I keep telling her it's like camping. <laughs> that, did, that worked for like a day <laughs> or two. It's glamping. <laughs> yeah, yeah it, didn't, it didn't work long, you know. But anyway, um, with the goal being is to be in that position where you have no more expense and you have no more responsibility. that The ability to get rid of that because when you don't have control, you know, one thing about our warehouse, we do lease our warehouse, but we have a contract and we have, you know, we know what our rent's going to be next year when it goes up. Right. We know all those things. However, they sell, you know, that, that lease is assignable, but there are, that opens up different issues and our plans are planned, but we're not in control. <laughs> So right. in your scenario, you and I both, you know, me and my house, you and your uh, business are in control, right? If you decide that you want to get in the lawn mowing business, Bob, because, you know, you need more sun, <laughs> right? Um, yeah. You could, right? I, mean, I you do could... need more exercise. But... <laughs> yeah, well, that's another <laughs> issue. All right, let's do this because I, I just want to make sure people go back and, and listen to episode 60 because when you hear Bob talk so confidently – you're not going to hear it as well back in episode 60 because he didn't know how much he knew until he came out of the closet and all of a sudden everybody's like, oh my God, this guy's one of the smartest guys in the room and he didn't realize it. It's fair. That's not a, that's not criticism. That's a very humble, right. it's humble. Mm-hmm. 
And, and I attribute a lot of that to you because I would be the type to go to a conference and sit in the corner and not talk to anybody. And you had me on your podcast way back when, and then people started coming up to me. And I think it, it helped me personally build the confidence in myself to be able to approach somebody and talk to them now. Episode 60. That's how long. I mean, think about that. Episode 60. And you're now in the 400s. You're 400 something now, yeah, right? 400 and something. Um, but you go back and listen to Bob's experience as a purchasing agent and purchasing department, but really that depth of experience. And I tell people this all the time. I'm sure you're the same way. Whatever you've done in your life has prepared you in ways that others don't have that advantage. You just have to realize mm-hmm. that what you learned is a skill. And then if you can apply it to your Amazon or eBay or Etsy or whatever other business you have, your own Shopify, if you apply that, you have a big advantage over other mm-hmm. people. Is that fair? Right. That's very fair. I mean, I think back then I talked about the things I was learning in my Amazon business. I was using at my full-time yeah, job. And yeah. The things I was learning at my full-time job, I was using my Amazon business. So they kind of helped each other. That's fascinating. I mean, it's just, it's really is uh, applicable across um, all different methods. If you recognize it, and if you sit back and take stock of yourself and in a humble way, you not be an ego and say, oh, I'm the smart guy. no. You know, there are a lot, you and I both know a lot of smarter people than us, a lot smarter mm-hmm. people. Yep. All right, let's do this, um, because I think somebody can go back and get a lot of depth on that, and I think what you've already talked about has really helped a lot of people. I'd like to go to lessons learned. You know, I was thinking about where you are now, and you will honestly say that you stumbled, right? Nobody, mm-hmm. it wasn't a straight path to success. You've had to stumble. You've had to zigzag. You probably had to retreat a few different times. Right. Can you talk about some of the lessons that you've learned? Maybe stuff that you would do different knowing what you know? Um, the main thing I would do is just because I have basically access to more inventory or a new account is not just to go ahead and bring it in because one of the issues we ran into was sort of financial, but we had so much inventory that sat because we didn't have enough room or enough personnel to prep it and send it in. So I think if I had been more steady about how things were brought in and probably a little more organized, um, and I have someone, funny story, but it was actually a virtual assistant I used back in the days of EPS years ago. And her and her husband worked for us doing merch stuff. Uh, They were in Bosnia. And they actually won, I guess they call it like the Bosnian lottery to come to the U.S. Hmm. So my friend Kyle sponsored them. They lived with them for a few months. She's expecting now and not able to be on her feet. She had run Kyle's warehouse. So she's actually working on the back end for me, doing my reimbursement stuff, my shipping consolidation. But one of the things that's really helping is she's – I'm able to forward her an invoice of something that's coming in. And when it gets here, the shipping plan is ready to be imported into scam power and sent back out. So getting stuff like that done is really helping us be more efficient. And now, you know, we're scheduling the stuff that comes in a lot better instead of just saying, okay, I can get this. Let me get as much as I can and get it in here. It's kind of like a discipline not to just get it because you can get it and then let it sit here. Is some of it related to capital again, though, too, because you're pausing, borrowing money? Is some of that related to that, too, and it kind of forced you Um, and then you had to figure it out? A little bit of it. 
I mean, actually, the biggest thing I did when we when we didn't have the extra capital to spend was spend literally two to three months doing returns. Hmm. And they just said we got pallets and pallets and pallets of returns. And we did it, I want to say, probably February, March, April time frame. We found that a lot of the holiday inventory that came back was now out of stock, where it actually sold for a premium <laughs> off-season while nobody had stock. It's Christmas So it was nights. actually a good thing to do. I mean, of course, sales suffered a little bit, but it was good to get a lot of that cleaned up. And, you know, some of the – we got, like, toy sets at Costco last year. Those are, like, little figurine sets or whatever. And we got a couple back. They're in perfect condition. And now they discontinued. So the price had basically gone from 35 or $40 to $100. That's awesome. Because they weren't available anymore. But just to take the time to do that and, you know, Rhonda's helped a lot where we're getting returns in now that we don't just put them in a pile and we'll get to them when we get to them. Yeah, the death pile they, they, they come down. in, right. She, they come in, she looks at them, figures out, okay, this is junk. It gets thrown away or, you know, this is a pair of shoes that's in perfect condition that we'll re-prep it and send it back in. Or, you know, this is IP crap. What do I, what do, I do with it? I'm like, yeah, stick it in a pile. But she's, it's coming in. She's looking at it right away and we're determining where it goes. Whereas before it was just like, yeah, those are returns. Yeah, back room somewhere until we get to them. So you're describing two bottlenecks in your business mm-hmm. that you put two key people, it sounds like, into those roles, right? right? When, when you're looking at, if you had to set up again, would those be the positions you would start with? Because most people think I about, think it's something that needs to be done. I mean, obviously, as you grow and sell more, the more stuff you get back. Hmm. So I knew that, you know, returns were becoming more and more of an issue, not only for space, because even though we have warehouses, they're not huge and we have walls in the way and stuff like that but um you know just the bottleneck of it and the cash flow that's tied up in it yeah you but know, does it that, does it pay a position i mean that's what i was trying to get to does that position pay for itself now because you have such you're at a scale you have volume and she's moving it right that, um, i think she's just taking it upon herself to have the responsibility i mean you know she was was doing all the RA shopping for us. So we've cut back on the RA a little bit. Um, just found that some of it was our slow moving inventory and stuff. So she's kind of taken that upon herself to help get organized. Cause that's one of my, I guess, bad characteristics. I'm not very organized and she's forcing me to like, okay, get the work laid out for everybody, get the labels done, put it in this area. So we're spending the time the day before to get the next morning's work ready Whereas I would just say, yep, I'll do it in the morning, and then, okay, now the first hour I'm here, I'm running around in circles, people are sitting here with nothing to do, where she's pushing me to get ready and get it organized, and it has been helping. Hmm. I love it. Love it, love it, love it. So realigning responsibilities, and and you're taking something that probably is waning. Maybe she was getting uh, that Amazon fatigue a little bit. And this allows her to do something different and probably have a better impact on the business. Right. And she's much more organized than I am. Love it. See, <laughs> this is this is the way a business is supposed to evolve, Bob, isn't it? I mean, it really is. Right. You know, you couldn't do all this stuff right from the beginning, right? I, I just don't no, think— No, you have to learn by, by making mistakes. I mean, that's what one thing I've always said, learn from your mistakes. You know, everyone's going to make them. I've made tons of them. But just learn from them and don't beat yourself up over it. Okay, I made a mistake. Fix it and move on. 
Well, how do you invest in yourself and your team? I mean, how do you guys, I mean, are you uh, still developing relationships? Are you taking part in conferences at all or doing anything? Like you were um, just I said, haven't been to Green. too many conferences, but yeah, Chris Green had a, just like a local meetup. He wanted to get some people together. He's always been one to help other people. 100%. Yep, definitely. You know, he helped me. Where I started was meeting Chris Green and we've, We've developed a friendship. We don't get together get together as much as we'd like to, but there's somebody that is local to him that I've worked with before, and he's looking to the next phase beyond Amazon. And I think Chris really believes in him, and it's a great idea. And I think he wants to be there to help him along the way. And I think that was part of the reason to get together. And you know, I had met another guy who came, and they weren't all Amazon sellers. It wasn't an Amazon get together, but he was running. Um, cell phone stores were like fix it cell phone stores or yeah, something yeah, like that yeah. fix your mm-hmm. electronics and great guy you know when we were able to see that people were doing different things and being successful and that's like one of the things i said about selling on amazon is you could do oa you could do merch you could do ra you could do private label and you could do what you loved and still be successful and i think that's what i had seen when i went and met the other guys was like hey you know i'm doing this and i'm successful you know i met Someone else that was there was actually a print-on-demand printer. Mm. You know, he had set up a website and, you know, he had asked some of the guys in the group to help him test it. But, you know, when people are using, I'm not that familiar with print-on-demand, but like Redbubble and stuff, he was actually one of the people that made the shirts and did the shipping and all that, had his own machines and just upgraded it. So, you know, he was there as well. So, you know, it was great to see that other people were doing things that were kind of Amazon-related. But not 100%, you know, just selling inventory. Well, they're finding their lane, right? right. The, the, the thing that they connect with, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, as we were talking in our pre call, you know, there are people that are running brands for brands, right? They're right. not, yep. they're doing the backroom stuff. They're answering customer mm-hmm. service. We, we do customer service for a company. I mean, I'm not, yep. I'm not speaking out of turn there, a large company. Um, and when you do those things, it's it's a different kind of business. I mean, it right. really is. But that doesn't make it less. It just makes it part of our lane, maybe. Right? Maybe it's mm-hmm. something we're good at. It's and very what you enjoy. <laughs> it's very cool. I mean, back to your old corporate world. That didn't exist, did it? You were put in a box. The box was. You're going this way, Bob. This is what we need you to do. Here you go. Mm-hmm. Boom. That's it. Right. Usually, I mean, I was one that. I don't want to say one of the reasons I'm not there anymore is I spoke up for the way I wanted things done, even though it wasn't always the way the boss wanted it done. And there was other guys that worked. They were like, yep, that's absolutely the way we're going to do it. I a hundred percent agree with you. And I wasn't that guy as much as I was quiet and shy. I said, no, I don't think we should do that. And I'd cause friction sometimes. Yeah. Well, but now, now, Others are doing it to you. How do, how does that work when when employees or staff come to you and say, you know, Bob, I want to try it this way? How, you know, is it the older you get, the more willing you are to bend, or are you being more rigid? Uh, I'm kind of like, you know, uh, say we're wrapping, you know, something delicate. I'm like, I really don't care how you wrap it as long as it's protected and the labels where Amazon can scan it. Do what you think is best. I mean, there'll be times where I overrule them, but for most of the times I'm like, as long as it's protected and it's done to this standard, do it whatever way you want. So I'm really not too up in, it has to be wrapped this way and done that way. And We have two uh, college graduates that work for us, my son and, and his friend. 
and these guys are fresh and they still have stars in their eyes. You know, remember what we got at school, right? Oh, the way back. They uh, come in and they're like, hey, can we try this? I'm like, sure. You got, you, yes, the rules are the rules. I mean, I don't get to mm-hmm. set the rules. Amazon sets the rules or eBay, whatever it is. But sure, as long as it's legal, you want to try it. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe, mm-hmm. maybe I'm just, maybe it's changed and I can't see it. And that's probably true in a lot of cases. Um, that's a that's new for me. That's not my way because I've been a controller my whole life. Right? That's right. what I was trained to be, right? Mm-hmm. So it's healthy. Freeing almost, isn't it? Yeah, very. Hmm. And one of the things I found is the best employees, I don't want to say we have a bunch of older people working here, but I think six of the seven people are retired. They don't have to go out and work. They enjoy coming in oh, that's awesome. and being able to get out of the house. So it kind of works that they don't really have to have a job, but they enjoy it. So they're happy to be here. They're happy to be out of the house. And it's just kind of working for us right now. Whereas, you know, one of the problems we had growing is employee turnover. Yeah. You spend months training somebody, you know, when they're doing okay and they're doing great. And then like, okay, I just got a job as we had someone working for us last summer. And he was doing great. And he's like, oh, I just got a job as a flagman directing traffic for, you know, 75% more than you're paying me. I'm like, okay, what am I supposed to do? You know, we're paying you, you know, what we can pay. And now he's got this job and he's got benefits and salary and sick time and vacation time. And, you know, a small company, most of us can't offer that type of stuff. Yeah, you so got to respect was, them leaving. You, you got to understand. Right. I mean, that's fair. Mm-hmm. Hmm. But it was a it was an employee turnover thing. It's like as soon as we get someone and they were doing decent, oh, off to – you know, another thing. And I always said, hey, if you came here and you learned how to sell on Amazon, you started your own Amazon business, I'd be more than happy to help you out. But it's like, okay, they were doing, you know, one was going into the construction business and one was going into, he was going to be a flag man. It's just, mm. it's frustrating and it's very exhausting to like, okay, I just spent all this time and he's finally got it. And now it's okay, off to find someone else. Yeah, but you figured a way around it by... <laughs> Finding people who stuff. I tell this story a lot too. Is that uh, we used to sponsor a baseball team, a Triple A mm-hmm. baseball team, and they were terrible. And the coach, new general manager, came in or whatever. And what they figured out was that there were star players that were on their way out of their career. Meaning, you know, they were a really good player at one time, mm-hmm. and in the old days, they just cut them loose and that was it. They started bringing them back down through the minor leagues. And they still had a following, so all of a sudden the crowds got bigger. They still had value to offer. And when you recognize that just because somebody's old, that mm-hmm. they still have value, right. and when you recognize that, and it sounds like you figured that out, that's pretty awesome. Yeah. yeah. Um, has there been any of these people that have surprised you that you were like, oh, this guy's, you know, he's going to be set in his way. He's not going to come up with anything innovative. Have you been surprised? Mm. Yeah, I mean, Bill kind of runs the in and out. He's, you know, he builds the pallets and gets all the receiving and stuff like that. And he's very, I don't want, he's organized, but yeah. he he thinks. It's like it just doesn't move things for the sake of moving things to get it out of the way. He's like, okay. Because there's I'm an gonna, unintended consequence, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> that, okay, we we have to unload this pallet because we need the space, but he keeps everything together. It's like, you know, if returns come in and they're all from a certain vendor, he keeps it all together. He's very good at separating things. So when I go to look for it, it's much easier for me. Hmm. I think there's, again, another lesson. All right. 
All right, so I want people to go back and listen to episode 60, go back and get some perspective, and then come and listen to this again and sit back and say, wow, I mean, it's amazing how far you've come, Bob Steele. I mean, it's amazing. Uh, it's been a lot of hard work. I know it. I mean, I know. I know the work. Um, so the goal of the podcast, oh, if somebody wants, I can, can I, I can put your Facebook contact out there if somebody has oh, a follow-up? Okay, all right, I'll do that. Um, and I, I love this. Don't chase inventory just to get it. Right. Don't chase inventory. Be sure you're ready for that inventory because if it yeah. gets and it's such a, I, you know how much I have shelves. You spend in my warehouse. I have mm-hmm. shelves of inventory. It's very nice to look at. It's organized, right? <laughs> yes, it's but, very organized. But it's uh, not doing anything, so that's not good. <laughs> yeah. All right. So the goal of the podcast is to help people get past point of stuck. Um, stuck today for you is way different than it was when you were a part-time seller and just pushing, you know, buying RA and prepping right. it and sending it out. How do you get past stuck now? Uh, what, what's your advice for maybe uh, a little more scaled of an operation to get past stuck? I think it's probably the same as most people learn how to delegate responsibility. Mm-hmm. And Ron just helped me come a long way with that because, I mean, I was – a lot of the arguments we had was you got to do everything. And I'm like, yeah, I do everything. And that was the problem. And now that she's been helping more, it's helped our relationship and it's helped the business become more organized and more. One of the um, comments before was they come in and it's chaos. I can't work in chaos because I'd have so much stuff lined up for everyone to do. And now it's, it's more piecemeal and organized, but learn how to delegate and play on other people's strengths to let them help you grow. It's so hard. I mean, it's so hard. It is, you know, because I, I'm I didn't want to let go, and now it's like I finally learned to let go. And you're going to get disappointed from time to time. But then again, it happens. And I always say this: Steve's not perfect. I don't. I make mistakes, right? I just I made a mistake this past week with the client stuff. We make mistakes. I mean, it's not good. Mm-hmm. I, I beat myself. You don't have to beat me up any more than I will. But right. so if, if it's okay for me to make a mistake, why is it not okay for Bob to make a mistake, mm-hmm. right? That's the fair. We're all going to make them. That's right. Dude, it is it's just so good to talk with you. I am blown away. Uh, I love I love what you're doing. I, I reached out to Bob for a different thing because we were having a, a vendor uh, growth issue. And he's such a resource. He has so many contacts. He was able to put me in touch with the right person. Um, and I thank you for that. I thank you so much. I wish you guys nothing but success. Thank you so much. Take care. Thank you, Steve. I really appreciate what you do for myself and for everyone that you've had on your podcast over the years. I mean, just to be able to come up to you at a conference like, hey, you know, this guy will help you out with this problem. And you get the people together. And, you know, you've done a lot for myself and for, I think for the whole community I can speak for. And I think a lot of us do appreciate that, whether it's not said enough, but it's great to have someone like you to vouch for everybody. You're very kind. Thank you. Take care. He's such a great guy, such a real guy. He's 100% real. So, you know, if you're having challenges, you want some more information, reach out to him because he will help you. He is just so knowledgeable. Honest as the day is long, and he's going to punch you in the nose if you need it. You know, um, you're going to hear, hey, you know, suck it up do the work, um, and then you can earn the right to uh, complain. But outside of that, you're not going to complain. He's going to get the work done. So terrific guy. Um, and go back and listen to that episode 60 because you'll see how it kind of began and look at what it's become. It could happen to you too, but it comes with a lot of hard work, a lot of blood, sweat, and tears. 
ecommercemomentum.com, ecommercemomentum.com. Take care. Thanks for listening to the e-commerce momentum podcast. All the links mentioned today can be found at ecommercemomentum.com under this episode number. Please remember to subscribe and like us on iTunes.